1: Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Alaris Third Quarter 2021 Earnings Release Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. If you require further assistance during the conference, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Amanda Fraser, Chief Financial Officer. Thank you. Please go ahead.
0: Thank you, Gail. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Alaris Equity Partners conference call and webcast to discuss the financial results for the three and nine months ended September 30th, 2021, as well as a brief corporate update. I'm Amanda Fraser, Chief Financial Officer of Alaris. I am joined on this call by Steve King, President and Chief Executive Officer of Alaris. As noted, after a short presentation from Steve and I, there will be a question and answer session. The lines will be placed on mute until then to avoid background noise. Before we begin, I would like to remind our listeners that all amounts given are in Canadian dollars unless otherwise noted. Listeners are cautioned that comments made today may contain forward-looking information. This forward-looking information is based upon a number of important factors and assumptions, and as a result, actual results could differ materially. Additional information concerning the underlying factors, assumptions, and risks is available in last night's press release and our MD&A for the period under the headings, forward-looking statements, and risk factors, copies of which are available on CDAR at www.cedar.com, as well as our website. Non-IFRS data is also presented and may differ from the way other companies present such data. As with the forward-looking statements, please refer to last night's press release and our MD&A for the period for more clarification regarding non-IFRS measures. Q3 revenue of 42% million was ahead of 37.5 million of guidance, primarily due to 3.4 million of U.S. of unaccrued distributions received from CRIMCO relating to prior periods. Q3 normalized EBITDA of 33.3 million was well ahead of our Q3 2020-2020's 2020, 2020 20.1 million and an increase of 32.5% per unit. Record deployment in the last 12 months of 400 million has resulted in this increase. During Q3, of has returned to paying us full distributions of 800 US million per month after deferring distributions in Q3 2020 due to the pandemic. In the quarter, we also received 526,000 US of common distributions, and year to date, we have received over 1.8 million US. During the quarter, Alaris booked a 4.6 million tax recovery due to more favorable interest treatment than initially anticipated by the U.S. CARES Act legislation. We were able to carry back losses to prior periods and as a result are expecting refunds on previous amounts paid. We also had some fair value changes in Q3. In aggregate, including the common units, an increase of 15.9 million to our book value or 35 cents per unit. Kimco was increased in the period 6.5 million U.S. as they continue to proceed toward a redemption This, as well as the business's continued exceptional performance, has led to an increase. It's worth noting that in the last nine months, Kimco has repaid 7. million U.S. of previously unpaid distributions and 4 million U.S. of prom notes. FNC's preferred and common was also increased by 2.7 million U.S. Looking like a top of the collar reset in 2022, the business is performing extremely well. Unify was increased by 1.8 million US as the business is growing and expecting a maximum positive reset in 2022. Brown and Settle was increased by 1.5 million US. During Q two, the preferred units of Brown and Settle were reduced by 3.3 million US. The first five months of twenty twenty one had seen their margin, had seen some margin pressure due to the project and customer mix as well as project delays, which Reduced our expectations on the FY22 reset to negative. BNS performs large projects and the timing of which can impact monthly cash flows. Since that time, Brandon Settle has delivered two quarters with double the revenue earned in Q1 and a significant amount of work on hand for Q4 and the following year. We now expect our reset to be at least flat as a result, and net impact to the preferred valuation is a decrease of 1.8 million U. Year to date, up from the 3.3 million US previously reported. Other increases in the period included 3E, offset by a small decrease in Edgewater. We now have eight months of financial results for all of our partners and are anticipating total aggregate resets in 2022 to be an increase of approximately 2.6 million or six cents per unit. Top of the collar resets are expected from 10 of our partners, including Planet Fitness, Body Contours, Axiant, D&T, and new partners 3E and FNC, just to name a few, while an expected decrease from LMS will be uncollared. A much-anticipated federal res- resources redemption took place on October 26th. The successful redemption of Fed at $13.9 million U.S. premium on $67 million invested. The redemption resulted in a 113% total return and an IRR of 19%. Of note, our payout ratio remains in our targeted range of 65 to 75% after the transaction. The proceeds of the Fed transaction were used to pay down outstanding senior debt, and while we had pre-deployed the capital with our investment into DM, c m at the end of Q2. This leaves us with 140 million of available room on our facility and we are at roughly two times leverage. We've been busy working through a number of potential follow-on transactions with existing partners. Follow-on transactions generally will require less third-party diligence support and more upfront work performed by our own team. And as a result, our transaction costs for Q3 were down compared to prior periods. But we will be returning to more historical levels for Q4. Total t- capital deployed for the first nine months has been a record year at $260 million. The portfolio continues to perform well. Weighted average ECRs continue to be over 1.7 times and an all-time high. Fifteen of our 19 partners continue to have ECRs of over one and a half times, and now 10 of those, 15, are over two times. Last quarter was 16 and 9, inclusive of Fed. During the quarter, we did have two partners move into the 1 to 1.2 range, being BNS and Edgewater. BNS, as previously discussed, the project delays and margin pressure in the beginning of the year have resulted in a slight decline in the TTM-ECR into the 1 to 1.2 range. If you were to look at that based on the last six months, the ECR would be back in the 1.2 to 1.5 range, and we expect them to move into this range or higher once the Q120 results are out of the TTM period. BNS is also deferring a small portion of their payment to better align with the free cash flows generated from projects. BNS paid $1.3 million of the $1.9 million contractually owed in the quarter, and we expect any amounts deferred to be collected in the next 6 to 12 months, and our long-term outlook for the company remains unchanged. Edgewater's results have been impacted as COVID restrictions remain at most of the large DOE facilities in which Edgewater operates, in addition to a tight labor market in sourcing and staffing new engineers. Edgewater has low levels of debt and the outlook for 2022 is positive, and we anticipate Edgewater to trend back up over the coming year. Our outlook for Q4 2021 calls for revenue of $36.2 million. Our G&A remains consistent with annual expectations of 12 to $13 million, driven slightly higher by an increase in the management bonus accruals as a result of hitting bonus targets and continued growth in distributable cash flow per share for Q4.
2: Okay. Uh, thanks, Amanda, and thanks, everybody, for for dialing in. Uh, obviously, I am thrilled with uh, the results that we were able to share yesterday in our, in our Q3 release. Uh, in addition to being well ahead of guidance, the, the amount of growth that we've been able to show in our actual results is an overlooked feature of our business model, I think, given that our focus has been and always will be delivering a healthy cash flow yield to our shareholders. Uh, increasing EBITDA by 32% on a per-unit basis for the three and nine months ended September is a large number for any company and reflects the accretive nature of our investments, given that we had two equity offerings in the previous 12 months. Uh, one question that I've been getting a fair bit of recently, which is for good reason, uh, is the impact of supply chain and labor shortages uh, within our portfolio. Uh, just as we were extremely fortunate to be in required service type businesses for the COVID shutdown last year, uh, the same kind of companies are weathering the supply chain issues very well in, in 2021. Uh, the majority of our partners don't rely on products or materials to generate revenue, uh, and those that have been, that have some element of that have been able to manage their businesses around that and stay within a pretty tight range of, uh, on their budgets. The only one having significant declines from this uh, feature is LMS, which relies on bringing uh, steel in from foreign countries. The price of steel has spiked, uh, causing an impact on their gross margins. Uh, we do expect that impact to stabilize and possibly reverse at some point several of our companies are definitely having challenges with uh, with labor Um, uh, Amanda already noted Edgewater uh, DNT would be another one Um, huge customer demand uh, that they have not been able to to uh, take full advantage of because of just a shortage of labor across the US With all that being said our portfolio as a whole continues to trend up from a distribution reset fair value, and an earnings coverage perspective. Uh, Given the issues that COVID has created, uh, we couldn't be happier with that performance. As Amanda also mentioned, we have uh, several follow-on investments that are scheduled uh, between now and year-end. We don't anticipate being able to add another new partner in the next seven weeks, but the volume of follow-ons on top of the new partners we already added this year will make for another record year of deployment. 2022 is already looking Like another very exciting year for our company. Our team is as good as it's ever been. Our reputation in the industry is helping us attract more great partners, and we're evaluating initiatives that will take greater advantage of those assets and provide more opportunities for growth for our shareholders. So, Gail, I'll uh, turn it over to you and uh, for questions from the field.
1: As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Nick Privy from CIBC Capital Markets. Your line is open. Yeah, okay,
3: thanks. I um, was wondering if I could ask you to elaborate a little bit on what triggered the uh, bonus accrual in the third quarter and uh, whether we should expect Q4 now to look like Uh, a more traditional Q3 from that perspective?
0: Our uh, bonus accrual is triggered by the uh, growth in distributable cash per share. So uh, as we achieved, we beat the prior period in Q3, we accrued a portion. Um, There would be an additional accrual in Q4 if we sustain or exceed um, the Q4 growth per share. So I would expect to see some amount of additional management bonus accrual coming for the Q4 period as well.
3: Understood. Okay. And then um, I was wondering if I could ask you to comment on how the pipeline looks for uh, redeployment of the proceeds from the Federal Resources Redemption.
2: Yeah. um, It's a strange time of the year. So in August, early September, there's always a uh, a rush of new deals, uh companies looking to close deals before year end. Um, once that period ends, uh the rest of the year is very, very lean uh because uh every PE firm is heads down uh trying to get everything that they've signed up closed uh as we are right now. So uh typically you don't see a lot of new deals until until January, once uh, once the end of September ends. So um, so yeah, we don't, as I mentioned, we don't expect any new partners to be added uh, between now and year-end, but uh, we've got a, uh, probably a record level of, of uh, follow-on deals to close in the next seven weeks, uh, which we're looking forward to doing. And, um, you know, the, the deal flow, uh, we've just had our BD guys at several conferences in the U.S., and, and uh, the advisors are expecting uh, another great year of deals uh, for 2022.
3: Okay, that makes sense. And then last one for me, I know the, the payout ratio may bounce all around a little bit with the natural ebb and flow of investment activity. Um, you did announce an increase in the distribution to unit holders last quarter. Just wondering at what payout ratio you would be comfortable contemplating another raise. Like, should we be thinking about, you know, that 70% as being the general threshold for what you would target long-term? And if you're able to drive it lower than that, then we we might start to think about uh another distribution raise. Just trying to get your thoughts around that.
2: Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't uh recommend to our board, obviously it's it's their decision, but uh I wouldn't recommend a dividend increase uh anywhere above sixty five percent pay ratio. Um personally I'd like to see it below sixty before we uh raise it again so that you know after a raise we're we're back in the low sixties. So that's that's kind of my target for it.
3: Okay. That makes sense. Um, that's it for me. Thanks for taking the questions. Thanks, Max.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Ho from the Jardines. Your line is open.
4: Thanks, and uh, good morning. Steve, you know, just, maybe just follow on uh, on that last question on uh, on capital deployment. Can you maybe elaborate on those follow-ons, um, maybe the magnitude? I know there's the BCC one. I'm not sure if that's the one that you're referring to and or Others, that's, that's in the pipeline. Um, and also, you know, you talked about um, potential larger kind of chunkier ones maybe in 2022. Is are, are there stuff that's that's driving that? Maybe U.S. capital tax issues and, and whatnot. Maybe just talk about the, the environment in the U.S. as well.
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I won't give uh, any specifics on, on follow-ons for this. This year, uh, you mentioned uh, BCC at at twenty five million u s that's one that we've had uh, contractually in place that uh, is expected to close before year end um, there are several others uh, on top of that that would be that would add up to more than Bcc so we're excited about that uh, and in terms of kind of the the deal flow environment um, one of the things that has made us uh, a better deployer of capital has been the addition of some common equity uh, along with our prefs. Uh, that continues to be a, a major selling point where we can reach deals where they need more of the capital uh, stack replaced. Um, you know, up until two years ago, we were kind of limited to companies that needed only you know 50 to 60 at a maximum percent of their cap stack replaced. Now we can. Keep compete on deals up to 80%, which is the vast majority of deals. Uh, most uh, private equity-owned businesses are, are 80% owned by P.E., 20% owned by uh, management. Uh, as long as management is willing to roll their 20% in with us, we can now uh, uh, bid on those deals. So uh, we've seen that dramatically increase the number of deals we can uh, contend on, and uh, people continue to love our, our press. Uh, and the, uh, the you know the financial leverage that that gives them on success because our, our prefs are capped uh, in their growth, so uh, it gives us a huge competitive advantage in the market. Um, so we're still seeing uh, really good interest in that same kind of deal terms that we've always had. You know, averaging 14% uh, kind of current yield on our prefs, and still with vast majority that we'd be looking at being able to pay common uh, dividends to us as well.
5: Chime feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.
6: The new Super Beats Hard Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats.BEETS.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL.
4: Okay, great. And then maybe just a bigger, quest, bigger picture question, just in terms of the rising rates that that we're seeing. How does how does that impact your your business model? I think in the past we talked about you know maybe maybe some competition from the nest debt side. Um, just wondering, like if you look out over the next couple of years, if we are still in this rising rate environment, how that might impact um, you know your You're offering, I know previously you've offered something in the 15%, like would you potentially move back into that in a a higher rate environment?
2: Yeah, uh, I think there would be uh, room to move it in a higher rate environment uh, to a point. Um, You know, we've been doing this for 18 years, so we've seen seen, uh, different uh, interest rate environments, although, with that being said, it's been pretty low for the vast majority of that period. But um, when we first started 18 years ago, um, we were starting at 16%. Um, As interest rates moved down, multiples went up, we came down to, you know, on average of 14. So I think there would be room to move back up to that 16% range if if interest rates go up, you know, significantly. But too much past that, I don't think it's it's, uh, viable. Uh, It certainly wouldn't be, uh, you know, regardless of where rates go, I think starting with something, uh, starting with a 2, <laughs> anything 20 and above, I think gets really difficult uh, just from a, an optics point of view. So, uh, But we will certainly be able to move, uh, you know, two, 300 basis points.
4: Okay. And then maybe just my last question. Um, Steve, you mentioned some labour shortage issues at Etchwater and DMT. How do you think, you know, that will play out Um, Will we see potential decline in the ECR a little bit when we look out to 2022? Um, Just wondering, like, over the next 12 12 months, what we should expect from some of these companies?
2: Yeah, I think we've already seen the impact in Edgewater. That's why you've seen their ECR move down. I I don't anticipate, and they don't anticipate, uh, that moving down any further. Um, Part of it is labor shortage. Part of it is... Uh, still, workers not being allowed on site at some of the Department of Energy sites. So, um, you know, we do expect that to change positively in the next few months. Knock on wood. Um, and with DNT, they have hit records this year. So, even though there's uh, there's a labor shortage, it's it's really a matter of, you know, probably not being able to fill as many of the potential orders as they could have. But they're still hitting records. So. Uh, it would be nice to have more labor, but it's not—it's not, it's not uh, causing them a decline. Does that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, those
4: are my questions. Thank you.
2: Okay, Thanks, Greg.
1: Again, as a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. Your next question comes from the line of Sakari Evershed from National Bank. Your line is open.
4: Good morning, everyone. Thanks for taking my question. Good morning. Uh, with the cash injection from Fed putting you very comfortably on side of covenants after running a little bit tight, uh, how high are you willing to take leverage before tapping equity markets again?
2: Uh, I've always said that in order for us to bid on large new deals, I need to show that company and their advisor. You know, I, I want to have a hundred million of. Deployable capital on our balance sheet at all times. So, you know, we're at 140 right now. We do expect um, uh, for the proceeds coming in from Kimco. So we've got a little bit of room. Uh, with that being said, and I think I mentioned this in the last quarter, uh, there are other options for us other than coming back to the equity markets. Uh, the high yield debt market, I think, is a, is a viable option for us as well, which would be a lower cost of capital uh, for our shareholders. So. Um, so yeah, I think we're in good shape. Uh, if we got everything from from Kimco, that would be another 80-90 million Canadian. Um, uh, so that obviously makes a big difference and would certainly, you know, give us uh, m- many months of leeway.
4: And on the topic of Kimco, uh, any updates on timing or likelihood of redemption?
2: Uh, no updates on, on timing. I would say that uh, the likelihood has, uh, has increased since we last spoke. Uh, things seem to be progressing well, but uh, we're not quite at the point where we can uh, you know, call a date on it yet.
4: That works for me. Thanks, I'll turn it over.
2: Great. Thanks, Zach.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Lloyd Yankee. Your line is open.
5: Thank you. Um hi Steve. Um, thanks for the, uh, updating on the, uh, potential, uh, for future deals. I, I listened to a couple of, uh, uh, presentations, uh, from U.S. firms in, in the same, uh, line of business. Carlisle was one. And on the universe of potential companies going forward in a higher interest rate and inflation environment, as you touched on. You've mostly operated in uh, lower inflation, lower interest. Do you see that universe increasing, uh, or how, how do you see that? And also on the federal deal, what really caught my eye was the endorsement by management of uh, how satisfied they were, and uh, with those kind of endorsements from uh, partners, are you getting a lot of referral business? Thank you.
2: Yeah, no, appreciate it. Good questions. Uh, uh, We are, and and always have, uh, once we've done a deal with somebody, and I I would include their their advisors that advise them through their processes, uh, we tend to get a lot of repeat business with people that we've already done deals with. We're, We're a pretty unique structure. There's a lot of advisors that, just don't take the time to really understand the benefits to their clients. So the more case studies we have, like Fed and and many, many others that we've had over 18 years, the more of those that we have, the better it is for us uh, from a marketing tool. Uh, we've been really blessed that uh almost all of our current and former partners have been more than willing to talk to, you know, prospective new partners uh when we are bidding on those deals. And and uh, as you mentioned, uh, the guys at Fed will be uh, will be no different. Uh, they they would love to talk to people and and uh, kind of reiterate what uh, what they talked about in that press release. So, uh, and it's another great example of of also why we have started putting common shares in uh, as a small piece of of the pie. Here, uh, we got a 19% IRR. The common shareholders on Fed got significantly more than that. Uh, because of the muted growth, uh, in our press, they had an extreme amount of growth, especially over the last couple of years, so they benefited greatly from our structure. Um, as it relates to your first question on, on, uh, interest rate environment, to a certain extent, a higher interest rate environment helps us from a competitive, uh, standpoint. We use very little debt, uh, in our transactions, uh, in their structures. So, you know, most of our companies have no, uh, term debt. The ones that do would have, you know, less than three, three times the EBITDA of debt. So, in the U.S. marketplace, that is considered underlevered. Uh, most PE firms are bidding with uh, four to seven times uh, leverage on average, and so higher interest rates for them really impacts their economic model much more than it does us. Uh, so, um, you know, we've seen that in the past when. When credit markets have either tightened or gotten more expensive, uh, I think it's uh, it's actually better for us from a competitive point of view.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Scott Robertson from RBC. Your line is open.
7: Great, thank you. Uh, Steve, the first question I have is going back to the comments you made at the end of your opening remarks, Uh, just regarding, I I believe you said something to the effect of um, you're going to try and take better advantage of opportunities uh, next year for growth. Uh, Just wondering if you could speak a bit about that, if that's more from the capital um, structure perspective. Um, Like I know you mentioned uh, you're looking at high-yield debt. Like, Do you think you're going to try and uh, change the capital structure that way, or perhaps was, were you speaking more towards um, a change in a new product offering like the way you guys introduced common equity? If you could just provide a little bit more color around that.
2: Yeah, no, thanks, for that, Scott. Um, uh, we've got a really great team here, and we've also got kind of a pseudo-proprietary structure that no one else in the world does, so we get fantastic deal flow. You know, we're we're getting... Between 600 and 1,000 deals in per year now, uh, because of our reputation and, and because of our unique structure, uh, I think we can take better advantage of our team and uh, and our reputation, um, and grow outside of the confines of our own balance sheet. And by that I mean I, I think we can raise outside capital, and get fees on managing that capital for others uh, within our within our team here and for our. A layer of shareholders. So, uh, both on the senior debt side and going further into the common equity side, I think there's opportunities for us there to to make money on uh, on other people's money, not just uh, our shareholders.
7: Interesting. Okay. And do you, would you envision a like you're able to use the existing team you have, or do you think you would need to also then build out, you know, call it an asset management team? Um, that does more you know fundraising marketing kind of thing. or are you guys able to do that with your in-house capabilities today?
2: I think we'd need some ads, Scott, um, uh, you know especially on the on the common equity side. Um, you know we need to work through some of the corporate governance issues, but you know certainly we'd be able to kind of piggyback on the work that our business development team does, our due diligence and monitoring teams. Um, but I think you, you know, from a corporate governance point of view, you'd have to build out the team more. So there's, there's a, a different group um, kind of solely evaluating common equity uh, and whatnot. So, so those are the things we're evaluating. It's, it's early stages right now, but uh, I'm quite excited about it, and I and I think it's the right thing to do. We, um, you know, I, in my mind, we've got one of the best teams in the industry.
7: Great, thanks for that. Um, and the second question I have is on Planet Fitness. Uh, so the franchisor is reporting, you know, improving fundamentals within the system in general. Um, just wondering how that may play out for PFGP um, and ultimately Alaris. And I guess, you know, specifically, do you think the cash flow generation there, if it continues to increase, could result in advanced payments of those deferred distributions rather than over the 36-month time horizon? Um, you know, or alternatively, do you think that there could be increased um, follow-on capital deployment with, with that partner? Um, given the environment that they're starting to see. Yeah,
2: they're, they're doing uh, really, really well. So obviously the, the results that you're seeing at the parent company are on the backs of the franchisees like, like our partners at uh, PFGP. So um, numbers have been continually getting better and better. Um, uh, they've also had the benefit, I think, of some people migrating from some of the smaller footprint, more expensive uh, type systems uh, to the planet uh, system um, and in terms of uh, getting our deferred distributions back quicker I, I think that is likely um, although it'll be balanced with the fact that they have quite a few growth opportunities as well so we don't want to um, you know diminish their, their growth possibilities by by stripping them of too much cash so we'll, we'll balance that uh, you know we want to be uh, patient Good long-term partners for them, which we have been, um, and they've greatly appreciated that. Uh, you, know, that uh, you know, the question about you know having uh, endorsements from our partners—you uh, uh, should talk to uh, Victor and Lynn Brick at Planet Fitness. They they will uh, talk endlessly about how great we've been as partners. So, uh, so yeah, I think there probably is more capital deployment uh, opportunities uh, with Planet. I think there's some acquisition opportunities that they're looking at, and uh, it is such a, a stable uh, system that uh, we'd, be, we'd be happy to put more money into them.
7: Great. Thanks. That's it for me.
2: Great.
1: Your next question comes from the line of Jeff Fenwick from CoreMark Securities. Your line is open.
6: Hi. Good morning, everyone. Um, morning. So, Steve, I think most of my questions have been answered, but I did want to touch at least briefly on the common dividend um, picture here heading through the end of the year. You know, I know FNC has been a great, uh, nice pair for you over the course of the year pretty consistently, and and I know the other ones can be a little more sporadic. So can you just remind us, is is it through the fourth quarter that you might see a couple of them true up? Like Amur, I'm sure, has had a decent year. Um, Any color there you can offer up uh, on that?
0: So we do expect Amer has been paying um, a twice, twice a year dividend and we would expect to be receiving another one um, this December. As well, Kerry pays an annual distribution and then on top of our more regular payers being um, FNC.
2: So yeah, I was just at a board meeting with Amur a couple of weeks ago. They are doing extremely well so I'm expecting that dividend to continue to grow and uh, same with FNC. We're putting up just huge results, as is carry for that matter. So, um, Planet Fitness, uh, that I just touched on, uh, I don't anticipate any common dividends from them. Still, uh, I think their focus will be on growth and debt repayment. Um, needless to say, when COVID hit, they weren't real pleased with with their lenders and uh, <laughs> and uh, having uh, having the debt. So, I think they're they're. They're going to be in repayment mode which is fine by us you know for every dollar they pay off that adds a dollar to the common equity value so um, so yeah we're uh, we're seeing some good things uh, for sure with our with our common equity distribution
6: okay and then maybe just one more on on Kimco and sorry if this has been asked already but um, the, you know they topped up uh, the quarter for you with some some sort of deferred payments owing and I know there's a fairly sizable balance still outstanding there so do you, do you expect that you know, regardless of the transaction picture on them, uh, do you see a few more of these payments coming in the, in the coming quarters? It, it, it looks like uh,
2: you know probably a, a redemption of some sort is more likely than uh, just continued payments. So we're hopefully we're closing in on it.
0: Um, and I would say that if there are additional payments during Q4, they will likely just be um, for the next quarter, paying down the prom notes. So they've sort of been um, going back and forth between prom notes and and accrued distribution. So I do know that if they have some additional cash and nothing gets done before the end of the year, we could probably expect another prom note payment.
6: Okay, great. Thanks for that color. Uh, I'll requeue. Great. Thanks, Jeff.
1: As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. We have no further questions at this time. I would now like to turn the call back to Steve King, Chief Executive Officer, for any closing remarks.
2: Great. Thanks again, everybody, for, uh, for tuning in. As, as always, uh, please don't hesitate to uh, give us a call directly if you have any follow-on questions. And look forward to uh, talking to you, I guess, in, uh, in March after uh, Q- Q4 is out. Thanks very much.
1: This concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect.
8: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.